name. Amen? Amen. How about Cowboys and Chiefs meet the Super Bowl next year? How about that? I promise I won't come preach that weekend because you will all be hating on me. At the end, at the end of, uh, of Genesis, we move into this Exodus story. Maybe you didn't grow up in church, but you probably know a few of the stories. There's, they're pretty well-known Bible stories. But what we have is that there's a group of people got a call to inhabit a promised place, the promised land, the place of Israel. They were once for 400 years in slavery under Pharaoh's rule in Egypt. And God sent a deliverer named Moses. And with his great power and great demonstration of his might, he set his people free. So they're no longer slaves, but they're on a journey. As they went through the Red Sea, you know the documentary Charleston Heston opened up, held up the, the staff and a part of the Red Sea. And they walked through to the other side. And then they entered a season that wasn't supposed to be their forever place, just a place of preparation for the new place that God had. And it's an in-between place that many of us find ourselves at even even today. In other words, we're not in slavery anymore. We, we're not a slave to our sin anymore. Our life has been brought with the price of Jesus' blood. But we're not in the promised place of everything that God has for us or wants to do in us, or I think most importantly for others, through us, we're in this in-between zone. And God prepares us in these in-between places to trust him more, to hear his voice, and to follow him even into the unknown so that our lives can be filled with not just freedom, but fruitfulness. Not just out of the old, but stepping into the new. And here we have a people that weren't like, they weren't fashionably late. They were 40 years behind the plan of God. Because even though they saw God's power in in Egypt, they began to whine and complain and settled. And they settled for less than God's best. And so it's possible for us even today even as New Testament believers, to be fully saved but not have the full fruitfulness or fulfillment of the plan of God. And I hope that God, you investigate your own heart and ask God, God, where am I settling for less than the fullness of your promise for me or for my marriage or for my, for my family? We just celebrated, oh, no one really celebrates Groundhog's Day, but we just had Groundhog's Day. But do you remember the movie Groundhog's Day with Bill Murray? Come on, how many have seen that movie? That's real art, real cinema right there. The guy lives the same day over and over again until he gets it right. The Israelites lived the same year over and over and over again, and they kept getting it wrong. And some of you are going through the same week, same routine. You're in the same service, in the same seat that you normally sit in. And God is saying, hey, I have something new. He doesn't have a new seat, and he doesn't have a new church, but he has a new perspective and vision of faith for you to see that there might actually be more for my faith, for my family, for me to secure for my future. God has something great in store for me. The, the Exodus story tells us that when they left Egypt, they were blessed less significantly so they had freedom they had financial blessing uh, they didn't lack anything except faith they saw the god of miracles that set them free from their slavery but they didn't believe that same god could secure their future so they settled and i wonder how many of us settle in life today not just our day-to-day life in our spiritual life that we're okay with being saved That we're fine with having our spiritual freedom. But we're not living in the fullness of this beautiful thing God has for you that is a calling. You've been called by God not to attend church, but to populate heaven with the way that you live, the way that you give, and the way that you serve. That this city needs people like Joshua and Caleb that will bring a good report about God's plan. 
about God's purpose so that others could find the freedom out of slavery from sin and enter into the promised land God has for them. You might have settled in life. Do you know if you make over $40,000 a year, combined income in your home, you're in the top 1% of the world. We're blessed. We're a blessed people. We have financial blessing. We might not have as much as the person down the street or someone else in our family, but the truth is, it's just sometimes good to remind it's okay to be an American. It's a nice thing every once in a while. We're blessed. What are we doing with our extra time, with our extra resource, with our, with our faith, so that God could do something great in us and through us? Because God is a comforter, but we don't live for comfort. We live for a a fantastic, amazing adventure called building the kingdom of God. That's what we live for. That's what this church is about. We don't just have a fellowship for, for, for fun's sake on the weekend. We fellowship to encourage each other. As iron sharpens iron, we equip and encourage and sharpen each other because there's something greater for us to do. Now, Joshua was Moses' assistant, kind of his right hand man. And Joshua finds himself in between two generations. He was a part of the one that settled, even though he didn't, because he had faith that God would be faithful. And and yet he's the leader now of the new generation that's going to enter into the new. Joshua finds himself in kind of a transition season. And God actually asked him to step into the unknown so he can secure the future for others. And friends, that's really the truth about your life and your faith. Your place of obedience, God is asking you to do it, but it's not really about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. And any dad and mom understands that. That what you work for and what you provide and the way you train and the way you educate and discipline your kids isn't really about what you want. Come on, you don't really want to wait in line at Chick-fil-A for eight hours. You don't really want to, to discipline your kids and go watch six soccer games on a Saturday. You don't really do it for you. You sacrifice for what's going to come after you. And the same, even if you're not a parent here, you need to understand in the body of Christ, in the kingdom, our place of obedience and sacrifice, although it brings fulfillment to us, is never really about us. It's always about what God wants to do next. And if you could catch that at a young age or as a young couple, you will walk in more spiritual maturity than sometimes people twice your age when you realize your faith isn't about yourself. It's about what God wants to do for you and And through you. So God asked Joshua to take his people on this crazy journey to walk into a raging river to secure the promise. And here's where we hear that promise. It's in Joshua chapter 1, well-known verse, starting in verse 2. God speaking to Joshua. Moses, that's my God voice. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then. In other words, what are you going to do about it? In transition seasons, maybe you found yourself in one right now. Now then, what are you going to do? Now then, the kids are out of the home. Now then, you just got married. Now then, you finally got that job you've been wanting or or, or desiring. Now then, what are you going to do about your transition season? God says, you and all these people. And I love this thought, is that your faith is never really just about you. Your destiny is never really just about you. It's always about the people around you that are going with you. That's why you need to be in a group. You and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am a about to give to them. In other words, if you don't cross it, I can't give it to you. If you don't obey, I can't give you what I want to give you. And then the great verse three that you have to just say in like a preacher's voice, and I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised. Moses, what a powerful, 
powerful promise that everywhere where you put your feet, I'm going to give you that place. But guess what? If you never put your feet anywhere new, you get never get anything new. God says, I want to give you the desire of your heart to get out of the wilderness and into this land flowing with milk and honey. But unless you put your feet down, unless you step out, you never can secure the, the new. I don't know what your step is. But I believe if you ask God, he'll show you exactly what it is. In fact, some of you already know exactly what God is asking of you. Will you put your foot down? Will you step in? He says, as I promised Moses. Let's jump to Joshua chapter 3 and verse, verse 1. So early in the morning, which is the 930 service, you, you, this is you. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim. Now, I know that name of that city looks a little strange, but renew your mind. It means the place of the thorns. We can have fun in church. It's okay. We were all thinking it anyway. And went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. Here's what happens. They're out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. They're safe from the slavery but they're not in the fulfillment of their calling, the promised place. They're in a place that's the place of the thorns, uncomfortable. Then they move a little bit closer to the promised land. They got a little riverside villa right there. They're no longer in the place of discomfort, but they're, no longer in the, they're not quite yet in the place of their calling. And this is where many of us settle. And my question for you are, are you camping right now or are you crossing? Are you in crossing season? Are you in camping season? Because some of you, you have had a Groundhog's Day life when it comes to your faith. You have not read your Bible differently, prayed for more things from God, participated more in church community, gave with more generosity, asked God if there's anything new for you in a long time. You've been doing the same act of obedience for the long season. And even though it was good back then, it's not the best of what God has right now. You're settling and you're camping. You're not quite Crossing Chapter 1, he says, as I promised Moses. In other words, it's a generational promise. It could have been true to Moses, but they missed it. It can be true to you, Joshua, if you'll do it. But it will be true to the next generation as well if they will do it. God says, I'm just looking for a people that will cross. I'm just looking for someone that would own that promise and make it their, make it their own. In other words, they should have, Joshua's generation that he leads, should have inherited the promised land, but now they have to go inhabit it for themselves. Now, I'm not that old. I'm not thinking about my retirement quite yet. I'm not thinking about what I'm going to leave my kids, and right now, it ain't very much. But I am a dad, and I, I think when about my son, I don't want him to have to fight for something he should just inherit. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm talking not about money. I'm talking about the things of God. I want to make sure that the next generation after me, that, that after Pastor Richie, after your time here in this city is over, the next generation gets everything that God wanted you to take so what? They can take it further. They can take it further. How do you know there's some generational promises that people have been praying in this city for a hundred years that we could actually be the people by faith to put our foot down into new places and secure new promises for a new generation. God has more. God has more for us. The Bible plan is one generation will proclaim to the next the wonders of our God. And I wonder what the next generation after you will have to proclaim. They will not have much unless you go and take it. 
unless you say, that's, if that's from God for me, then I'm going to go ahead and get it. You need a kingdom dream. You need a kingdom dream. This city needs a kingdom dream. Now, the American dream is fine. Don't get me wrong. To own a home and a car and 2.2 kids or whatever. I don't know how you get 0.2 kids, but sometimes I wish I had less of one of my kids. But um, I'm going to tell you which one, Graham. Uh, he needs to be saved. Pray for him. And uh, it's just hard when you have one perfect kid and then one thorn in the flesh given to me. He's the best. He's the best, like his mom. And... Uh, and retire, what are we retiring at 65? Is that the goal? You know, nowadays, because we're eating so somewhat healthy, you live to like 95 now. It's normal for some people. We're going to keep living. Anyone over the age of 65 should say amen to that. Come on, we're going to live a long time here. That's great. We're eating kale. We might not like our life that much, but we'll have a lot more of it. But that's 30 years. What are you going to do for 30 years? Play golf? That doesn't sound like heaven. That sounds like hell. If you ever see me play golf, you'd understand that. We need a bigger dream. We need a dream that's not about stuff. It's about salvation. It's about a generation taking things farther than we ever dreamed it could go, but they'll never get there unless we start doing what's in our heart, making the dream a reality. Joshua heard the promise of every step that I give you, every step you take, I'll give you. But God didn't clarify it in the moment that he had to go walk through a raging river. That he asks him to do something that's impossible in his own ability. So early morning they go and they leave the place of the thorns and they head to the river. They're in a more comfortable place but not the place of their calling. Here's the scene, they're at the Jordan River, it's flood season. In other words, the worst possible time. It's over a mile across, up to 12, maybe even more feet deep. These were not people that grew up learning how to swim in the YMCA. It, in, in, you know, in Egypt, they, were, they, they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know how to cross. In other words, it is the worst possible time. How many know that God always seems to work that way still to this day? When he asks something of me, the worst possible time. So what's the step for you? Some of you are dating this church. If you like it, you should put a ring on it. Some of you have been coming for a while, but you're not serving. You've never gone through, through growth track. Today's step one. Step, growth track isn't about the church. It's about you. It's about you finding your place of fulfillment. You finding your spiritual family. You finding your calling. It's 25 minutes that could change your life. Definitely could change your year. Most definitely will change your church experience. What's the step for you? Maybe occasionally you give. And it's difficult for you. But God says, hey, I want you to return the tithe. It's usually the worst possible time when God puts it on your heart. But that's what he's asking. God, uh, the, the river's raging against me right now in my finances, but God wants me to step in. Maybe it's to go from serving every once in a while to leading. Maybe it's an act of forgiveness towards someone in your family. And that's the raging river. The emotion is so strong as a torrent against you. You don't want to do it, but you know as soon as you do it, you've got to trust the promises of God that he'll bring healing into your, into your heart. Maybe you are a, a giver, and God says, hey, I want you to be a kingdom builder. And it's just not the right time in my business. And when we say things like that, it's just not the right time, what we, what we mean is it's not easy. 
God never calls us to do easy things. But here's the great news. He never makes us do it in our own ability. But in their own ability, they had to start the stepping into the river. And then the supernatural power comes upon our natural obedience. And if you got, want God's supernatural on your life, you've got to have a natural act of obedience. That's just the way that he works. How about the step of baptism? Maybe you're baptized as a kid or as a teenager, but there's been a lot of water under the bridge, if you know what I mean, between that time and now. And it's time for you next week to make a fresh proclamation that I'm all in in the kingdom of God and I'm all in in the family of God. Grace is free, but growth has a cost. And God wants to see will you pay the cost. And if you be willing to pay the price, he will provide everything else that you need, but he's looking to see the act of Obedience, And many of us, we feel our personal Jordan rivers are so impenetrable, so powerful, so persistent against us. But as soon as we take the steps, something starts to change. Something starts to change. I got four things for you if you need to step into the new we're going to look at. Let's look at Joshua 3 again now in verse 2. After three days, the officer or the leaders went throughout the camp. Giving orders to the people, what Joshua had told them, they told to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you're to, to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance. If you want to step in and secure the new, write this down if you want to go to heaven. First one is this, that was a joke. Follow the movement of God. God is not static on Sundays. He's leading and guiding you through an adventure every day of your life. It's an adventure life. He wants to lead you, not just to more church attendance. He wants to lead you to fruitfulness and fulfillment of a divine calling that before the beginning of time, he says, I knew you would live here. I knew you would marry that person. And this is the plan I have for you. But you've got to choose it for yourself. They're really these things called thresholds. You know, thresholds have two meanings. One is the lowest place of a door. And some things, to walk in a new, all you have to do is take one step and you're in. Like, I'm in a new room. I cross the threshold. Another definition of the word is the amount of pain you can handle. Threshold of pain. Tolerance of pain. And God works in both those ways. Some things, by his grace, you just step in and, ah, it's a brand new me or a brand new day. And other things come with the cost. And we don't always know what, which one it's going to be, but until we step in, we'll never know for, our, for ourselves. But to get, we've got to follow the movement of God, but to get God results, you have to do things God's way. When's the last time that you asked God, is this all that you have for me? Is this all you have for my family, for my marriage, for my, for my future? Is this all that you have for me? He says you got to follow that Ark of the Covenant went out. This is an Old Testament thing. You remember Indiana Jones. Come on, Indiana Jones, the Ark of the Covenant. That's the most amens I got was for Indiana Jones today. A lot of Indiana Jones fans here. It says you have to learn to follow that because you've never been this way before. I love this from the message paraphrase in Romans chapter 2. God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into radical life change. When's the last time your faith was described as radical life change? God's outside of time, but he's in us right now by the Holy Spirit. So the the thought I get is there's my destiny, and God's in it all, and here I am. And he grabs me by the hands. We have a hands-on God. He doesn't point you where to go. He leads you where to go. 
He's kind in grace, but he's not soft because he disciplines in us love to get the best result for us. Same reason we discipline our kids, so they can have a better life one day. And God, the same way, he asks us to do uncomfortable things because he's taking us on a journey that leads us to great places. And by the hand, he leads and guides us. And you feel like sometimes it's a step back as you've been following God in obedience. Your finances take a step back as you give with generosity. Your time takes a step back as you serve a little bit more. But the thing God is doing, he knows exactly the way to lead you by the hand into the promised place of your calling. You have to learn to follow the movement of of God, but it says keep a distance because that, that Ark of the Covenant is holy. In other words, God has the right to do it the way that God wants to do it because God knows best. Second thought is this, I got to move at God's pace, which many times when we want to wait a little bit and figure it out, God says now. And many times when we say, God, I need this now, God says, wait a little bit, I'll need you to figure it out. He always seems to work that way. How many of you would say, I'm a li- you know, you're a little bit impatient? Yeah, me, yes. I'm the guy that when there's two seconds left on that hot pocket in the microwave, I pop it out, it's good enough. <laughs> I don't need two seconds, it's too long for me to wait. But we serve a crock pot God. <laughs> if you'd rather have microwave food than crock pot food, there's something wrong with you and we need to pray. With- you need to get saved today. But things that just take longer are- taste better. And the same with the things that God develops in us. The longer it takes, I always feel like if I'm waiting on a promise of God, the longer I wait, the better the promise must be. The better the payoff must be. Because that's the way that God always seems to work. Like we want the immediate result. Like I want a six pack, but I have a donut. And the donut is here and the six pack. Maybe someday I'm going to go ahead and take what I got right now. We want the gold, but we don't always want the refiner's fire. Some things take some time. And promises of God are a mixture of a little bit of, a little bit of patience and sometimes a little bit of pain. But they're always, always worth it. How many of you played high school football? Come on, we're in Texas. Everyone plays high school football. Even the girls play high school football here. I played high school football. I was the worst running back in the history of high school football. I signed up to be the kicker. So I moved from Seattle back to Oklahoma played soccer there and I thought you know what no one cares about soccer in Oklahoma and I want to be cool because honestly look at me I look like Ronald McDonald in high school <laughs> says I gotta find my fit football's everything here I'm playing football I'm going out for the team I'm gonna be on the, I'm gonna get a jersey I'm gonna be the kicker I kick a foot, soccer ball and kick a football. I'm going to be a kicker. It's going to be great. I'll be on the sidelines cheerleaders there I'll witness to them for Jesus it's going to be awesome <laughs> And the first play of our first game, uh, and the, the, the running back goes out, and he fumbles the football. We recover it. Coach pulls him out. Had a real hot head coach. Next play, running back goes out, gets hit. It's like two yards. Sprains his wrist. He's out. Coach says, Turner, get in there. And I was like, man, I didn't know we had another Turner. I'm looking at the back of everyone's jerseys. Like, like, another guy must have just joined the school. We got another Turner out there. He puts me out there. I'm like, coach, I know you're the coach. I'm just the kicker. But third down is not a kicking down. Like, we don't need to kick right now. He's like, no, I need you to go out there and run the play. And so I'm like, all right, this is my time. I've seen the movie Rudy. <laughs> Remember the Titans got this. So I'm, I'm already signing my contract with Disney in my mind. I'm like, God, your hand must be upon your servant for such a time as this. Lord, give me the speed of Elijah to chase down the chariot. Give me the strength of Sam, and I'm going to kill everybody out here. 
And I scampered around for like, you know, like 15, it was the longest play in the history of football. It was like 15 seconds. I mean, that's normally a touchdown play. It was not. I was running around like a Pentecostal at camp meeting because I was, <laughs> I was so afraid. And here's why it was so bad. I would never let the play develop because I was small and insecure. And I, I, so I'd run into my blockers. I'd always miss the timing. And you just know God always has a way of pacing things out to position you in the right place at the right time. But if you never move into the new, you'll never discover the timing of, of God. That's why Joshua 3 verse 5, he gives them the word that you have to consecrate yourself. That's a big spiritual word, Bible word. It just means to live differently, to live set apart. Consecrate yourselves today, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. See what happened there? He said, I need you to make a today decision for a tomorrow result. We want to make a a tomorrow decision after a today result. God says, no, I don't work that way. I need you to live set apart now so you can be a part of what I want to do in the future. Verse 7, God said to Joshua, Today I'll begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel so that they may know I am with you as I was with Moses. In other words, this is your day of your promotion, Joshua. Verse 8, tell the priest to carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the Jordan water, what? Go stand in the river. No, there's going to be a miracle. Just go and do what I told you to do. And even though it's his day of promotion, it looks like a, it looks like a fool's errand because he doesn't promise him he's going to open up the river. Remember, that's what they saw before, that the Red Sea parted. Now he says, just go stand. And pretty much just said, hey, God said, go jump in the lake. I need you just to go and do it. The third thing you need to learn how to do is just step into the unknown. It sounds real easy as a point to write down. It's real difficult in the moment. It's real difficult to sign up to serve, to forgive someone, to write that first tithe check. It's real difficult to enter into the unknown, but that's what God asks. And the day of your obedience is the day of your promotion, but it just never looks very fun in the moment. What do you call to step into? And you know, you ever go to the pool when it's not quite warm out and you dip your toe in it? You know, it's like, I don't know. But if you just jump in, it's kind of refreshing. And some of you, when it comes to faith and obedience, you've been dipping your toe in for so long. And God says, if you would just trust me in my timing, if you'd step into the unknown, you would see the great things I have in store for you. So it's time to wander in the water. Remember, at the Red Sea, they saw it ahead of time. It was one man's obedience to God that opened everything up for them. This time, they got to go stand in it first before And they don't even know quite yet what God is going to do. They had proof before they proceeded in the last miracle. This one is a miracle in the making. you got to go and do it yourself. Here's what happened. You guys all ready for the end result here? So when the people broke camp, verse 14, to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Spiritual people went first. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge, there was a huge miracle moment in front of them. No. The water upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. They could not see it in a town called Adam, which is 14 miles away. While the water flowing down to the Dead Sea was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho because just one day's obedience means there's still a fight for your tomorrow. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of Jordan and stood on 
dry ground while all the people passed until the whole nation had completely completed crossing on dry ground. So here's what happened. They stepped into it and nothing changed. And as they kept going over time, the water dissipated. God did a miracle in the moment, but the, the repercussions of it took a little bit of time. And that's why all of us, as the carriers of the spirit of Jesus now, because God doesn't live in a box, he lives in us. As we go first as spiritual leaders in our city, in this nation, as we step in, we won't see the miracle in the moment. But as we keep going into the unknown, we keep going into the unknown, we can stay there, fourth thing, stand expecting a move of God. Keep stepping in until we see the move of God of God. You never see the miracle in the moment. One out of a thousand stories is the, I tithed and God blessed me this week for the first time. The other 999 are, I tithed and I didn't experience anything for a while. And then over time, when I learned to really trust God, he began to open doors and pathways for me. I served and nothing really changed in my situation. But the Bible says, humble yourself today under God's mighty hand and in due season his timing he will exalt your life things begin to change over over time and if there was no movement of obedience that day there would be no miracle in the making there would be no promised land if there's no promised man listen then there's no promised one Jesus doesn't enter into his place of promise unless they enter into their promise unless they proceed into that place here's what I want you to understand is that for their salvation out of Egypt, it was one man lifting up a stick. They secured the pathway out of their past and into their future. Just like Jesus, one man on a stick, secures our pathway out of our old and into salvation, the free gift of God's grace. In this new place, out of, to get out of the wilderness and into the promise, it's the people of God together walking into the unknown that secures the avenue for God to bring his promises for a whole nation of people. Jesus is the high priest. Now he lives in us. We, the body of Christ, we're the representations of Jesus. God's saying, you carry the spirit. It's not in the box of the covenant. I have a new covenant with you. You're the carrier of the Holy Spirit. I need you to obey first, to step in first, and I can bring a whole nation, or in our case, a whole city, 200,000 plus people that have already been saved. They just don't know it yet. They've got to give their life to Jesus and receive the free gift of salvation. But it takes a church to step into the unknown together for the promised land to appear for all of God's, God's people. So who are you crossing over for today? If it's just for you, it's probably not going to last that long. But if you can get a vision of others, if you get a vision of this city, if you get a vision of all that God wants to do through this church, through our collective obedience, then it's a lot easier to cross over when we keep our eyes, not just on our own things, but on God things and what he's wanting to do. Aren't you thankful for Jesus? He didn't camp out in heaven. He crossed over for you to invite you, your family, your, you into this incredible adventure to save your life? How do we make it through? How do we obey when it doesn't feel comfortable? Final thought here, Hebrews 12, by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross. He endured some discomfort 
because there was something beautiful on the other end. What was beautiful on the other end? It was you. It was you. He had his eyes on you. The Bible tells us that Jesus would have gone to the cross even if it was just for you. You were his joy. You were the promise. He took the pain of the cross because he wanted you back in the family of God. And that's why we keep our eyes on the one who did it all for us. And if he did that for you and me, then we'll do whatever we need to do so he can do whatever he wants to do through you and me in this city. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes if you're here? This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.